All right, uh, if you want to grab a seat again, that'd be fantastic. Again, uh, so glad that you're here this morning, and uh, great to connect with one another. Want to uh, just take a couple minutes to uh, announce a couple things, and I, my mind has just gone entirely blank. Yeah, no, done, gone. Oh, gentlemen, golf with me Wednesday. John, you in? Think about it. That one still has an F.A. You're, you're there in a heartbeat, right? Kevin's already said yes, so it might be just Kevin and I. And, you know, where two or three are gathered, you know who shows up. Um, it's going to be so good, but it would be embarrassing if I just was there to kill, beat, I mean, Kevin by himself. Yeah, exactly, for sure. Um, really excited. I know what I was going to say. Gwen and Sheldon are here. There are global outreach workers. They're back today. This, welcome back. Glad to have you back in country. We'll get a chance to hear a little bit of, uh, from them, I'm sure, in the next month or so. Love to hear a report of how things have been going. Um, it's somebody's special birthday today. Brian Dresser is turning 80 years old this weekend. Yeah. Some of you know Brian, some of you wouldn't know this. Uh, Brian, uh, come on up here, Brian. Come on up here. Because I got you a card. Uh, Brian, uh, you're going to blubber like a fool. I know it. He says, don't make me cry was the first thing he did. If you know this guy's heart, he cries on a dime. He carries uh, the world around with him, just loves people. And... Uh, uh, Brian was a, a, one of the founding elders of Hillside Community Church, and uh, Brian uh, worked before that as, as the kind of lead, lead uh, team here at uh, Austin Avenue Chapel before we became Hillside. Um, anyone that knows Brian and knows his heart and investment in this community, it can't be understated. And uh, he prays for, for us as a people uh, his pastor's heart has been real and rich and deep, and uh, we, uh, we're so grateful for all that you've given over many, many years. I, I think of you and your leadership in, a, in one of the more difficult periods of the life of this church, and how you uh, are an example of the faithfulness, uh, someone who, who knows God holds fast to him, and uh, we're so grateful for all that he's done, right? And... Uh, So, we'll sing happy birthday in a moment, but let's uh, just say, let's say a quick prayer for him. Uh, Father, thank you for Brian. Thank you, God, uh, for an example of someone who's followed you closely and uh, wanted their life to be all about your kingdom. And uh, so, God, we just, it's with great joy that we celebrate him today and uh, say thank you for giving us someone like him. And uh, Lord, uh, I love this man's heart and uh, the, the depth of love he has. He's had for me. I know I felt it, and I know so many have. And so we uh, honor him today. 
And we would pray uh, in the 80 years you have ahead for him, <laughs> or however many, however many the Lord would give you, um, that these years would be rich and deep, and uh, he'd find himself even knowing more and more how beloved he is by the Father. Lord, uh, grant him just grace upon grace in these days. And especially today, may he just sense your smile and affirmation from heaven. We bless him in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Brian. Happy birthday to you. Wow. Sorry, Ben, that's a tough act to follow. I love Ben too. So we got an older hillside leader and we got a younger hillside leader, Benedict who prefers Benedict than Benjamin, which is not his name. Benjamin is not his name, Benedict. Um, and ben, ben has been an elder here at Hillside, uh, a delightful part of our community, and uh, God's given him a great gift. And so we're really thrilled that you're here today, Ben, to share with us. And so let's give uh, Ben a, a great welcome, shall we? good? Can you hear me now? Okay. This is on. Just really low. Okay. Just crank this puppy. Is that better? Yeah. Ah, yes. Thank you. All right. So, Today we continue with our Encounters with Jesus series as we look at the story of Jesus healing the paralytic. We'll be looking at the version that is in Mark chapter 2, verses 1 to 12. If you have your Bibles, please turn to this scripture. If you need a Bible, just raise your hand and the ushers will get one to you. Okay, <laughs> we have one person here. If you're able, would you please stand as we read God's word this morning? A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door, and he preached the word to them. Some men came bringing to him a paralyzed man carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it, and then lowered the mat the man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, Why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, Why are you thinking these things? Which is easier? 
to say to this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your mat, and walk. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. He got up, took his mat, and walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, we have never seen anything like this. Let's just take a moment to pray. Jesus, we're, we're not here because it's what good people do on Sunday. We're here because we want an encounter with you. We want to be encountered by you. So Lord, we are asking you to just pierce through all the noise and the clutter and the chaos everything that we might have set up against you and help us to receive this good news one more time, Lord. Take our hearts captive to you so that we too might leave this place giving glory to God. We ask this in your name. Amen. You may be seated. Hmm. So, the people of Israel are starting to get a sense that Jesus is special. They had heard him preach. They had seen his miracles. John the Baptist had told them about him. And so we can be sure that by the time we get to this story, that that house is full of expectations. Some people are there to be healed. Some people want deliverance. Some people want powerful preaching. Some people are there to assess this Jesus guy. Who, who is this guy? What's he about? Some people are just there for a show. They have nothing else to do, so they showed up. But there's this one question that would have been on all of Israel's mind, which is, are you the one we've been waiting for? Or should we expect someone else? Tell us, Jesus, are you the Messiah? How seriously should we take you? So that would have been the question underneath all of this. The scripture tells us that Jesus, he sits down in the middle of all of it. And he preaches the good news to them. You know, this is such an encouragement to me because when we come up here, I come up here, or anyone comes up here, we don't know where people are at. But it is just wonderful to know that this good news is enough to satisfy every expectation, or at a minimum, to challenge our expectations. He preaches the word to them. And while he's preaching the word, these four men dig through the roof of the house, and they lower their friend through, and they place him in front of Jesus. And it is so strange to me that there was anyone left in that house by the time the stretcher came through. Because if this was Nigeria where I grew up, people would have cleared the room. Immediately, things started moving. (laughs) Seriously, it would have been like Genesis chapter 0. 
Jesus, the Father, and the Holy Spirit alone just hanging out. There would be no one else in that place. <laughs> but this was not Nigeria, so we get a story out of it. Um, they lowered this man, and they placed him in front of Jesus. So Jesus, he looks at the friends, and we're told that he sees faith in their hearts. And then he looks at the man in front of him, and he says, Son, friend, your sins are forgiven. If we're being honest, these are not the words we were expecting him to say, were they? So many theologians, many preachers, and people who have commented on this passage, they've tried to you know, tell us different reasons why Jesus might have said this word, these words. You know, it's possible that that man was one of those holy people who actually came into that house, the paralytic, wanting Jesus to heal his soul more than he wanted healing for his body. I can't say I would have been like that. But maybe he was that kind of a person. And Jesus wanted to honor that. Or maybe he came and he really wanted to be healed. And Jesus saw his faith and he saw the faith of his friends. And he said, I don't want this man to leave this place until I make him whole on the inside as well as on the outside. Or maybe Jesus wanted him and everyone who was there and those of us who would look at this story to understand that the brokenness that we see on the outside is the result of a deeper brokenness the broken relationship between man and God. Maybe. We don't know why. We don't know for sure why Jesus said these words. And it used to frustrate me every time I read this story. Because moments before, he looks at the friends and somebody took the time to write, he saw faith. And then moments after, he looks at the Pharisees, the scribes, and he sees rejection. But somehow, the people who write the Gospels forget to tell us what he sees in this man's heart that made him say these words. But the more I spent time in this story and the more you hang out in the story, the more I began to love the, mo the fact that there's this question mark hanging over this moment. You know what it does? It does two things. It makes the moment private. It's a moment between Jesus and this man. We may never know what Jesus saw in his heart. And I just love that he was able to do that for him. In fact, we somehow even envy the man that he shared this moment with Jesus. And I don't think any of us would want to take that away from him. The other thing that happens as you spend time in this story, just hanging out here, is that you begin to say, I think I have an idea as well. I think I have an idea about what Jesus might have seen in this man's heart that made him to say these words to him. I think when Jesus looked in his heart, that he saw a conviction 
that this man felt he was worthless. I think this man felt that he was less than nothing lying there in front of Jesus. So Jesus wanted him to understand how valuable he was to God. Why do, why do I say this? It's because of the words that Jesus speaks to him. Son, your sins are forgiven. These are the most expensive words that have ever been spoken. These are the most expensive words that will ever be spoken. These words cost the Son of God his own life. Two years later, when Jesus stood in front of Pilate, and Pilate said, what has this man done? Why is he standing in front of me? They said he claimed to be the Son of God. By our law, he deserves to die. And this was the first moment in the gospel where Jesus revealed who he was in that way, publicly. These words were like giving his enemies the nails with which they would hang him to a cross. For him, it was a death sentence. But for this man, it was being born again. Your sins are forgiven. Your sins are forgiven. Oh, amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Paul said, you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, even though he was rich. Yet for your sake, for my sake, for our sake, he became poor so that we, through his poverty, might become rich. That's what's happening. The scribes were, you know, probably still getting the dust off their clothes from the roof incident when they heard Jesus say these words, and they would have been like, what? Forgiven? Set free? Paid in full? Uh-uh. Only God can do that. Only God can do that. Very true, they're right. Only God can do that. And this man, Jesus, just forgave a paralytic his sins. Therefore, he's either God or he's a God-damned blasphemer. And that would not be swearing. That would be the right place and time to use those words. He's either God or he's a God-damned blasphemer. The scribes always get a bad rap, don't they? Once you see them in a, in a verse, it's only a matter of time before something goes wrong. You know, if you're reading the Bible for the first time, by the time you get to John chapter 3, where it says, and Nicodemus went to meet Jesus in the night, you're like, oh my God, I can't look. Is he going to hack his iPhone? Is he going to steal him? Is he going to kill him? Is he gonna, what is he going to do to Jesus? For goodness sake, Peter, search that guy. They get a bad rap. But you know what? I can relate to them. I can relate to them right now. It's like you go somewhere 
You're expecting someone to say, I'm going to run for prime minister. Okay, I can sort of see that. Yeah, yeah, I think you could do it. But then they raise up their hand, and in all seriousness, they say, I'm running for the position of God. Dude, it's not even an option. It's not even on the menu. You can't take off a box. <laughs> Only God can do that. And Jesus is gracious to them. So he leans into this rejection. He, he leans into it. Why are you saying these things? Why? Why are you rejecting me? How have you come to the conclusion that I'm a blasphemer? Why? So Jesus presents them with three possibilities why they might have been rejecting him. Let me explore this with you. And the three reasons that we tease out of this story are still the three main reasons why people reject Jesus today. The first thing that he explores, and we'll see how he does it, is he says, are you rejecting me because I don't fit into your worldview? Are you rejecting me because the law and the prophets have not taught you to expect me? Is that why? It's not uncommon for us to hear people say things like, I'm a scientist. I believe in cold, hard facts. Therefore, Jesus does not fit into my world. I'm a humanist. I believe that we're basically good. There's no room for sin and for somebody who needs to die for sin. Therefore, Jesus does not fit into my world. I'm an atheist. I don't believe in any gods. There's no room for Jesus in my worldview. Or in this case, I'm a Jew. Only God can do that. There's no room for you, Jesus, in my world. So Jesus says, I want you to know that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. And immediately he said, the Son of Man, their minds, you know, these men are really learned, would have gone back to Daniel 7, where the Bible says that Daniel saw a vision of a man or a divine being in the form of a man who walks into the presence of the Ancient of Days. And that when he walked in, <laughs> all authority, all dominion, all power, was given to this being. All the nations worshipped him, which is something reserved for God, and that his kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. Amen. Their minds would have gone back. Jesus is saying, do you want to know if I'm the Messiah? Yes, I am, but I am so much more. I am the King of kings. I am the Lord of lords. Do you want to know? Do you really want to know? If I am the one that you have been waiting for, <laughs> yes, 
I am, but I am so much more. I am the one that all of creation has been waiting for. Do you really want to know if I fit into your worldview? No, I don't. Your worldview cannot contain the glory of the Son of God. I am your world. I am your world. I am your life. Your life does not make sense without me. Your yesterday, your today, your tomorrow, it is meaningless without me. Wow. So Jesus teases another reason. Are you rejecting me because I haven't given you enough evidence? I haven't proven myself to you yet? So he sets up this really difficult test, which we're going to look at um, real, real soon. And again, we, we hear this all the time today. And many people who are really, really smart, they've, they've taken on the challenge of proving the case for Christ. And in fact, some unbelievers have taken Jesus' challenge seriously, and they've become Christians in the process. So he, gives, he sets up a test, and we need to spend time on that one. So, if... I've showed you that I fit into your worldview. I'm going to prove this particular um, you know, evidence, provide you with evidence, and you reject both, then what other reason might there be for you to reject me? Could it be the state of your heart? Could it be that these men who gained their power their prestige, their honor, these scribes? Could it be that they were rejecting him because they were experts at the law? And what do you think would happen if sin could now be forgiven? Could it be that they were concerned about that? Could that be what was at the heart of it? And I, I know what that is like. I walked away from my faith um, when I was about 12. And part of coming back was, my challenge was that Jesus was going to ask me to do things I didn't want to do. He was going to ask me to give up things I didn't want to give up. It was going to cost me too much to say yes to him. Maybe that's what Jesus was trying to tease out of this moment for these people, but they weren't really receiving it. So we had, we have the test that Jesus set up. We're going to move on to it. So he tells the man, which is easier to say? Which is easier? Your sins are forgiven or stand up, pick up your mat and walk? Jesus is using, um, actually, a formal type of argument here. It's called a fordiori argument. And these guys, they know he's got them. <laughs> There's no escaping. Because here's what could happen. We have some options. 
If they say your sins are forgiven is easier to say, then Jesus would ask them, does that mean if I heal him, you believe in me? If they say, get up, pick up your mat and walk is easier to say, you know what he's going to tell them. Why don't you do it then? There's no, there's no way out. So they pick option C. I've suddenly lost my voice. And I, I can't blame them for it. I really can't. You know, it's, it's cute when somebody you love, someone who's your friend, when they can read your mind. It's like, I was going to say that. No way. We're so in sync right now. Oh my God, that's so cool. Or when somebody you hate, <laughs> you're thinking murderous thoughts about, can read your mind. It's not so cute. You're probably, <laughs> these guys are probably just hoping for, you know, some Jedi mind blocking thing to go on so Jesus can't see what they're actually thinking. Only one person can do both. For him, it is just as easy and just as hard in some ways. To turn their own words back at them, only God can do that. So, Jesus says to this man, stand up, pick up your mat, and walk. We can imagine the intensity of this moment. Imagine if you were in that room. There's no cutting yourself like the priest of Baal. No spells, no incantations like Angel said last week. No calling on the names of any other gods. You don't get months to prepare for this. Like those magicians on TV. No camera effects either. Just say the words right now, right here. You know, for many people in that room, I suspect that when Jesus said, which is easier to say, that would have been the first time they actually looked at that man on the floor. Ooh, he's paralyzed. I mean, like, super paralyzed. <laughs> he might be able to walk, or he might be able to sit up, if Jesus yells loud enough. I don't see that man walking. God would have to come down from heaven for that man to walk. He is paralyzed. I say to you, I say to you, stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. Notice he didn't even say walk. Go all the way home. 
The entire distance you were carried to this place, cover that distance, not by your might, not by your power, but by the one who is able to do exceeding abundantly more than we can ever ask or imagine. In the name of Jesus, go all the way home. Wow. Those who came for a show, man, this beats watching Netflix. They couldn't eat popcorn. Can you imagine? The intensity of that moment between when Jesus spoke and when this man responded. And as they are watching, an incredible thing happens. The man obeys. The man obeys. To help us enter into the joy, to help us enter into the victory, to help us enter into the beauty of this moment, I need to borrow words from Charles Spurgeon. He's the one I owe the credit for this um, sermon today. Here's what he says. I think I see him. He sets one foot down to God's glory. He plants the other one (laughs) to God's glory to the same note. He walks to God's glory. He carries his bed to God's glory. Hallelujah. He speaks. He shouts. He leaps. Hallelujah. As an heir of heaven, he brings glory to the Father who has adopted him into the family. This man breathes, he eats, he drinks to God's praise. Wow. Wow. Jesus, we love you. We think that you're simply the best. You are awesome. Lord, we give you glory for who you are. Only you can do that. Only you can do such things. Only you can speak and things like this will happen. Oh Lord, we glorify your name in this place this morning. We worship you, Lord. Only God can do that. The man obeys. We cannot let this detail pass our notice. He obeys. He stands up. (laughs) He picks up his mat and he walks. He doesn't even say a word to Jesus. Read it. Every version of it, he does exactly what Jesus told him to do. He doesn't have to say a word to him. Somewhere it is written, if you love me, you will keep my commands. (sighs) 
it would be an injustice to look at this story without looking at it from the angle of the four men who brought this man to Jesus in the first place. These men heard that Jesus was in the neighborhood. They heard that the salvation of God had drawn near. What did they do? So they went to the place where brokenness lived. They put him on a stretcher and they brought him to Jesus. I have my own stretcher, for better or worse, and I'm sure almost everyone in this room has a stretcher. Some days, I'm lying on the stretcher that I'm carrying to Jesus. Don't ask me how that works scientifically. We all have brokenness that we are bringing to Him, and we want Him to speak into them. the salvation of people we love, sometimes those we don't love, sicknesses, failing marriages, financial distress, addictions, cities, governments, even the environment. Some seasons of life, as we carry our stretchers, you know, it seems as though the, the weight of what we're carrying will break our backs. Sometimes the gap that we're trying to stand in, it's, it's as if it will just rip us apart. Sometimes the mountains that we are pushing against, we feel like they will just bury us alive. For those of us who are carrying stretchers, we cannot leave this story without hearing what Jesus is saying. I want you to know. I need you to know, you have to know, that I am the Son of Man. All authority in heaven and on earth belongs to me. I have no rivals. I have no equals. I am the only one who can work this for good. And I am doing just that for you. I want you to know. I need you to know. You cannot leave this place without knowing that I have authority on earth to forgive sins. I am the savior of the world. I have paid the price for sin. I have paid the price for freedom. There is no person that my love cannot save. There's no brokenness that my stripes cannot heal. There is no suffering that you, have, you are going through that have not first pierced my hands. There's no grave that can boast in my presence, Jesus says. I want you to know. I need you to know. You have to know. So if you trust me, 
then even when it seems as though nothing is happening, if you trust me, even when I'm doing that deep work in the heart and in the soul of these circumstances, if you trust me, don't pick up your stretcher and turn around. No. Don't reject me. Just trust me. And you too will have reason to sing. You too will have reason to shout. You too will have reason to give glory to God. Upon my name, upon my word. Because the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. And all that we can say is yes and amen. Yes and amen. God bless you, Hillside. like us to pray. Will you bow your heads? Let's uh, Some of you this morning, you uh, need to hear the voice of Jesus. Son, daughter, your sins are forgiven. Jesus doesn't... Uh, call you to carry that anymore. You don't have to carry that weight of that, that brokenness in your life. You can actually be forgiven. The slate cleared. Freedom and joy. Every offense, every ill-chosen word, every rebellious thought, every ounce of arrogance or pride Hatred. Jesus says, your sins are forgiven as you come to me. I know some of you are longing to be that broken one whom Jesus says, get up. Take your mat and walk. You're like, you're going, uh, this, this, this thing, this, uh, I mean, it's impossible. How could I ever stand with what this is? God would have to come down, Ben said. <laughs> and Jesus says, I have come. The kingdom of heaven is near. It's available to you. And I sense God wants to break out in your life and, and release and transform us in ways we have never dreamed of. And that might include him, him changing our circumstances. It might include dramatic healing. But I, I sense more than anything, he wants a dramatic change of heart in us that we would move from from just having ideas about God, but having encounters and experiences of God. Man, it's great to be inspired. It's great to hear a good talk. 
Encounter's better than that, folks. An encounter with the living God. Boy, let's not be satisfied with lesser things than an experience of the living Christ. He whose name is greater and better and stronger and higher. He's the Lord of the Lords, the King of Kings. We can't meet him and not be changed. Maybe it's, it's been a while since you laid your heart bare before the Lord and the Lord's just saying, come to me this morning, come to me. You can lay your heart before him, all the hurts and questions and doubts and fears. Maybe actually in the story this morning, you relate more to the scribe and the Pharisee. Lord, you just kind of got this checklist of reasons why Jesus isn't relevant. Bring, bring those questions and doubts to Jesus. Test him on this. The evidence is there. Who can do what Jesus does? Who can say what Jesus said? Maybe this morning you carry a burden for a friend. You got a friend who's going through it. Uh, and this morning you're, in this moment, you're meant to be carrying him before the Father, breaking through, <laughs> crying out to God on behalf of your friend or your family. Only God, it's a situation where only God can do anything. Oh, God, we bring our friends to you today. Lord, you know, you, you know how impossible that situation is. We bring them to you. You know what to do. Jesus, I pray, you'd, you, we, we pray you'd break through into their lives today, Lord. Bring it in light where there's darkness, hope where there's despair. Healing where there's sickness and brokenness, God. Oh, God, we call out to you on behalf of our friends. We call out to you on behalf of our city, Lord. I, I sense that this church, we're meant to be stretcher bearers for, for this city and region, Lord. We're meant to be lifting up this, this broken neighborhood, God. Lord, it's so dark sometimes. We see our friends bowing down to other gods. And we long for them to experience you, Lord. We long for you to break in and shine your light on their lives. Oh, Lord, help us be good stretcher bearers for our neighborhood. That we might, might not turn a blind eye to their, their suffering and their hurt and their lostness. Oh, God. And Lord, we give you thanks this morning that you're our stretcher bearer. <laughs> Lord, even when we fail each other, Lord, you never fail us. Even when we're, we're struggling, we feel like we're struggling alone, we're never alone. I sense your strong arms carrying us today and you wanna carry us through all the, the challenges and struggles we face. And so Lord, we. We want to say thank you. We want to fall back into your embrace. 
and to you carrying us. Oh, Lord, you say, cast, cast your cares upon me, for I care for you. Lord, help us to lean into you, God, we pray. Oh, Jesus, we love you, Lord. We love, just tell Jesus how much you love him today. We love you, Jesus. You're so good. What a wonderful, wonderful God. What a wonderful Savior. I think I probably should tell you this every Sunday. God is especially fond of you. He really loves you. And may you go this week, as you go into whatever you're facing, may you sense his love and his compassion. And may you experience him healing you and making you whole on the inside and the out. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.